0: Hi, I'm U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow, and I'm listening to the Tom Sumner Show. Hey,
3: good morning, everybody. Welcome to the show. I'm Tom Sumner. We got a great one in store. We're going to have a little, um, a little music, a little uh, old timey. Uh, radio theater, and uh, some great guests coming up in this first hour. We're going to talk with young adult author Ashley Elston about her new book called Ten Truths and a Dare, and then uh, we're going to talk with Stephanie Heath and Amanda Rumor um, toward the end of the hour and into the uh, second hour about the uh, collection of authors by women sharing their stories uh called legacy speaks and if that wasn't enough we're going to have from national geographic talking about national geographic uh, kids almanac 2022 Um, underwater photographer and explorer brian scary will be joining us during the second uh hour of our three hour tour and we're going to wrap it up in the third hour talking about um oh five ways you can help track the signs of spring and climate change with uh, dr sarah nelson from the appalachian mountain club and uh, it should should be uh an interesting and uh, well-rounded show but as promised we're going to start out with uh well we're gonna start out with a song for you and then a little radio theater and then we'll get right into it with all of our great guests. So stay tuned and enjoy.
6: I've been so many places in my life and time. Song a lot of songs I made some rhymes in my life on in stages, ten thousand people watching, but we're alone now, and I'm singing this song for you. I know your image of me is what I hope to be. A tree so Kindly, but darling, can't you see? The one more fucking to me, baby. Can't you please through me? Cause we're alone now, and I'm singing this song for you. to precious secrets, true holding nothing my I was hiding But now I'm so much better If my words don't come together Listen to the melody Cause my love is in their hiding There's no space or time I love you for my life Because you're a friend of mine When my life is over Remember we're together this song for you.
3: ladies and gentlemen in Philip Rapp's creation the Bickersons. <laughs>
4: The Bickersons
3: have retired. As usual, Mrs. Bickerson tosses restlessly, while her husband John, insomniac extraordinary, provides this audible testimony of his constant wakefulness. Let's listen.
0: Oh, for the love of heaven, what is he doing? John. John! John, hmm? what's the matter with you? Hmm? You are making the most frightful noises. What's the matter?
3: What's the matter, Blanche?
0: Are you in pain?
3: I've got a terrible headache. Haven't slept a wink.
0: You've been sleeping like a felled ox.
3: Headaches.
0: You wouldn't have such a headache if you didn't make so many cocktails before dinner. Why do you do that, John?
3: I always do it. Why? No good to eat on an empty stomach. Put out the lights, James.
0: the lights are out. How would you know anyway with that sleep shade on?
3: Well something's flashing in my head. Ow.
0: Take an aspirin.
3: Okay. Hmm, feel better already.
0: How can you chew those things like that? Wash it down with something.
3: All right. Ah.
0: John Bickerson, you washed it down with bourbon. You
3: lied to me. You got the lights on.
0: Yes. I'm going to keep them on. Sit up. I want to talk to you.
3: Please, Blanche, I can't sit up. My head will fall off. Why do you always have to talk in the middle of the night?
0: When else can I talk to you? You come home for dinner and bury your head in the paper. Never a word out of you. And you tell me you've got to go to bed early because you have insomnia.
3: Well, I have. It takes me hours to fall asleep.
0: It took you all of 30 seconds tonight.
3: Well, this was a good night. Good night. <laughs>
0: John, John, Hmm. I went over to see the Marvins' new baby this afternoon. It's a beautiful child. Do you know their first one is over a year old? I hope so. He's been walking since he was eight months.
3: He must be awful tired.
0: I am too. Children are such a blessing. Hmm. It's wonderful to watch them grow up. You'd be surprised how many childless couples are adopting children.
3: Uh, I'd better have another aspirin. Boy, have I got a headache. Mm. John? Mm?
0: Don't you miss the patter of tiny feet around the house?
3: No, I don't, Blanche. Children are wonderful, all right, but you have to be able to afford them. All this talk of adopting. What the devil is that?
0: What's what?
3: That! Put the lights on. John? Blanche, don't tell me that you went out and.
0: It's and, only a dog, silly. A, a
3: dog? What do we need dogs for? I got for? a little puppy. Where's the aspirin? What did you get a dog for?
0: Now don't get hysterical.
3: Where is the little beast? I can hear it, but I can't see it.
0: He's right there, in the bureau. I've got him in your shirt drawer.
3: You put him in there with my shirts?
0: He won't suffocate. The drawer's open.
3: Blanche, you know I'm allergic to dog hair. It gives me sinus trouble. Where's the aspirin?
0: You are just a big hypochondriac. You imagine those allergies like you do your insomnia.
3: I tell you, I'm allergic to dogs. They make me... make me... Uh, get rid of that thing. He'll whine all night and keep me awake.
0: The man said he'll keep quiet if you give him one of those worm pills.
3: Well, where are they?
0: On the night table by your bed. How do you give a dog... where? They're on the night table by your bed.
3: There's nothing here except the aspirins.
0: The aspirins are in the medicine cabinet. How can they be in the... Me- Blanche... What have I been eating?
3: No wonder my headache won't go away. Why do you do these things to me? Send for a doctor. Don't
0: carry on so. If they're good for a dog, they won't hurt you. Go to sleep.
3: Go to sleep, she tells me. Here I am dying from dog poisoning. My, my head is splitting. She knows I'm allergic to dogs. Hides the aspirin. It makes, I don't know, get up so early. Never get another wink of sleep as as long as... <clears throat>
0: John, John, Mm -hmm. gesundheit. Thanks. I can see how much sleep I'm going to get tonight. We'll have to get rid of the puppy.
3: Now you're talking.
0: I want you to take him down to the dog pound.
3: Okay, I'll do it on my way to work.
0: You go in the opposite direction.
3: Well, I'll go out of my way.
0: You say it, but you won't do it. You better take him now. What? Go on, get up, take the puppy to the dog pound.
3: Blanche, are you out of your mind? It's after two in the morning. They're
0: open all night. Go on, get up and take him.
3: Well, I've never heard of such a thing. You know I went to bed with a splitting headache and had to take a dozen worm pills to fall asleep.
0: You'd take the dog to the pound quick enough if Gloria Goosby asked you to. How do
3: you always manage to work the conversation around a Gloria Goosby?
0: Well, if you wouldn't shout so much, maybe the puppy would be able to sleep.
3: Ah, What's the use? Good night.
0: I thought it would be nice to have a little dog, especially when we move into our new apartment.
3: Still have a year to go on this one.
0: Our lease expired on Friday.
3: I renewed it yesterday.
0: I canceled it this morning. Amos is raffling off the apartment for me.
3: That's a good idea. Amos is what?
0: Amos sold 500 tickets at $2 a piece, and the winner moves into our apartment tomorrow.
3: Oh, Blanche, no. I, I don't believe it. We'll be on the street.
0: Amos said he'll find us a new place in a jiffy.
3: Jiffy? Haven't you heard there's a housing shortage? Where would he find a place?
0: Well, I bought a ticket myself. It's a wonderful chance. Lovely three-room apartment, large kitchen, big closets. It's worth $2, and we might get it. Get it? We've got it now. I know. But even if we didn't win, we'd get the $1,000 Amos collected for the rest of the tickets.
3: Look, Blanche, I gave the landlord a $1,200 bonus to renew the lease. So now I'm out $200 and I've got no place to live.
0: Sounds like pretty poor business to me. Why do you make such deals?
3: Now look, Blanche... The
0: trouble with you, John, is that you are too conservative.
3: Look, Blanche...
0: If you'd pick up some of the deals that Amos has, we might be able to live as nicely as he does. Blanche... He's been living at the Biltmore Hotel for a year.
3: He sleeps on a billiard table. Look out. Where's my slippers?
0: What are you going to do?
3: Let me get to that phone. I'll show... Ow!
0: Ooh! Ooh! Put on the lights! The lights are on. Open your eyes.
3: Oh. Here's here's the phone. I know it's going to ring, and I want to be ready when it does. Hello? Excuse me. Drop dead. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. That wasn't Amos. Amos. I'll get it. I'll get it. Amos! Hi, Jacko. What are you doing up this time of night? Packing, Amos. We're moving, haven't you heard? Why aren't you going to invite me in? I'd like to look the place over. You mean... Yep. I won the raffle. Darndest luck I ever saw. Who drew the ticket, Amos? Fair and square. I wouldn't take a chance having some phony draw it, so I drew it myself. What a coincidence. Get out of here. What's the matter with you, Jacko? You got a thousand dollars coming. And if you're worried about a place to live... I'll rent you the garage. You haven't got a car anymore, you know. Get out of here before I hit you with a cleaver. Okay, Jacko, you don't have to get sore. You better give the money back to people you sold tickets to or you'll have a lot of explaining to do. Not me, brother. You'll have to do the explaining. I'll tell them you won. Goodnight, Jacko. That guy will wind up on a chain gang as sure as...
0: Was it Amos who won?
3: I did. Now, at last, I can go to sleep in my own bed without worrying.
0: No, you can't, dear. The dog's in there.
3: Oh, nuts. I'll sleep in the garage.
0: Good night, John.
3: Hello out there everybody, it's me, Tigger, ti double gur
1: that spells Tigger. And don't forget to remember to listen to Tom Thunder program on account of because he's so bouncy. <laughs>
9: This is Congressman Dan Kildee, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. And hey,
3: welcome back, everybody. This is the Tom Sumner Program. My uh, my my guest this hour has been a, a, a prolific author, and uh, her books have been described by NPR as positively delightful. And uh, she has a new book. It's called Two, Ten Truths and a Dare" by. Ashley Elston who joins me now by phone. Hi Ashley welcome to the show. Hi thanks so much for having me I'm excited to be here. Ashley um, one of your uh, earlier books The The Rules of Disappearing was a finalist in the best young adult uh, novel category of the International Thriller Writers uh, Thriller Awards and yet you're Books are often described as capturing teen angst, romance, and fun. Is there a bridge <laughs> that goes back and forth between uh, romance and mystery?
7: I do think you ha- you need but writing a traditional thriller or mystery. I, I you know I believe there's always a thread of romance. It doesn't have to be a very strong thread, but I, I do think there's always um that in there, I, I, that helps drive a lot of what people will, will do in certain situations if, you know, they're kind of doing it from the heart. And then on the flip side of that, uh, you know, my later two books are considered more rom-com, but you still have to have a little bit of suspense um, that you might traditionally find in a mystery. Uh, you've got to have something that still moves that story forward as well. So,
3: I, you know, I believe you have both. Now with the new book 10 Truths and a Dare, how would you describe that? It's been called a reluctant young adult readers top 10 pick, but um, is how, where would you how would you categorize it?
7: I it's one of those that I think it's fun, maybe a little bit silly at times, it lighthearted You know, and it it tackles some of the things that kids that age go through with maybe an overbearing or overprotective parent, you know, the struggle of balancing grades and extracurricular activities and social life. And I think, you know, maybe for the reluctant readers, you know, I I hope it's that they just sort of kind of lose themselves in the story and, and forget that they're they're reading and it just becomes sort of a fun little journey is what I hope they get they do
3: well and and it's it's an interesting uh it's it's kind of an adventure almost a misadventure where you know the main character is about to graduate high school and isn't able to spend senior week uh frolicking uh in the in the throes of senior because she discovers that uh there's a requirement that hasn't been met and she has a week to pull this together and a scheme to pull it off that draws her friends into it so that she can maybe qualify (laughs) without getting in trouble from her parents. What, what made you think of that? Or is that from the pages (laughs) of Ashley Elston's life?
7: (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. You know, I had that. A lot of people ask me that, you know, is this, you know, from real life, but it, it really is not. I mean, I may I may draw similarities. I'm from a very big family, like Olivia is, and so that was really fun to reminisce about my own childhood and how you know a big family works and how nosy everybody is and in your business. Um, but this is, was really just, I don't, you know, it's just kind of fun. It's like how you know how how much trouble can you get into, and you know, uh, around where I live. This senior week is a big week for those kids, and there are lots of parties, and it gets over the top, and it's a thing, you know. And I'm thinking, well, how bad would it be if you had to if you had to miss it? And it was just
3: kind of a combination of things. Um, I guess that really kind of brought did, this book to life. Did did the pandemic play a role in 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 just that creative moment when you thought about what if you had to miss it?
7: Well, I'll tell you, I, I started this book before uh, COVID-19. I mean, not long before it, but before it. And so it was already kind of in the works. What was very hard for me was I actually had a high school senior. My middle son was in his senior year. And, you know, we go to shut down and he is doing virtual school and he is, you know, missing. They didn't have prompts. Many of these parties, they were lucky to have a graduation, but it was much later in the summer. It was outside. Only the parents could be there, socially distanced, and, you know, this was my second child, so I had already witnessed one child, you know, have all of those fun times that graduation brings, and then to watch one completely miss it, and then have to write this book in that same time, (laughs) where I'm supposed to be like, yay, this is great, um... was extremely difficult it was a little bit pulling at time but I think it also worked into where you know Olivia sort of felt that gosh I'm just missing everything
3: do you think the uh, class reunions for seniors of 2020 and 2021 are going to have to be done by Skype or Zoom (laughs)
7: <laughs> just to feel
3: normal? I I don't know. I do think, just looking at my own child,
7: I think that they are connected in a way that maybe some other classes would never be connected. They had to find a way to sort of, you know, make it work. I think they're very resilient. Um, you know, they also started college in a different frame of mind than anybody has ever started college before. And, you know, I'm hoping it just makes them really tough, you know? Um,
3: how... You have three boys, yet you write yeah. about teen girls. How are you able to <laughs> to get inside the, the heads of, of teen girls?
7: Well, I mean, I guess at one point I was a teen girl, right? So maybe there's <laughs> a little of that. Um, there are still, you know, three boys means that you still have a handful of girls that are, you know, some... Uh, you know they they're here they're around, um, but then you also see the boys and you and I think sometimes the boys don't get enough credit for you know having feelings and are you know and emotions and you know you know they're the boys and you know they're not always so tough and strong and um, so it's I don't know it's just sort of maybe a combination of all of that I guess I, you know my kids I'm very lucky that my kids and their friends. You know like to be at our house and and hang around here and I, I know them and see them and um, it makes me happy when they're here. so
3: why do you think your books are um, they've been recommended more than once for reluctant young adult readers why do you why do you think your books are are good for reluctant readers?
7: I really have no idea. Um, I mean I'm so <laughs> like I don't know that they could call that I don't know that they could call it anything other than that me feel more honored. Like that one of the best emails I get or text or Instagram post or however, you know, you the message comes through is when a reader tells me, you know, I didn't like to read until I read your book. Like that's better than I think anything else that could ever be said to me. Because if there's one person out there that discovers to learn that they love reading based on something that I wrote, I mean, my God, what better feeling is there? But I, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't know what, why really. Which is not a great answer, but I don't know why. Now, are you writing full time now? uh I mean, I guess. I don't know what that means. I think that that's so different to a lot some friends that they sit down at their desk every day at like 8 o'clock in the morning and they will write a full day like you would go to an, you know, like, an, like a desk job. Um, I'm more of kind of here and there. I write in, in pockets of time uh, that sort of open up to me. You know, you know, two of my kids are in college now so I do have a bit more free time than I, I did. Uh, my husband and I I do landscape company, and so I do the book work there, so I I have to juggle with that and, you know, other things. But, you know, I, I kind of, I don't write in any sort of particular, I don't force myself to sit down and say, today you have to write. If, if it feels like I want to write, I write. If it doesn't feel like it's that kind of day, I, I just don't.
3: I, I've shared this uh, this quote from Stephen King with a lot of writers. Um, somebody asked him, uh If he wrote to a muse or to a schedule, and he said always to the muse, but fortunately the muse shows up every morning at (laughs) nine (laughs) o'clock.
7: That's a great. I haven't heard that. That's a great one though. It's definitely you have to have the muse because as as much as you might want to sit down, you know, it's a lot of times it's just a blinking cursor, and uh, if it's not if it's not happening, it's not happening. I have found to just walk away from that and, and don't force it.
3: How did you go from being a professional wedding photographer to being a writer? <laughs> Were you already interested in writing?
7: Uh, I, I, I was not, didn't think that I could be. I was a, I'm a huge reader, have always been a huge reader. I, I choose to read over watching TV a lot of times, but I did not think that I could be a writer. I, I didn't know any writers. I, I just didn't know how that happened. So I just, did not think that was possible. Um, I had been in a wedding photographer for about 10 years. I had just had my third son. I was a little burnt out. It was a lot of, obviously, weekend work. Uh, my kids were getting older. They'd have parties to go to, and I would miss that because, you know, I'd had this wedding booked for a year, so clearly, you know, my my day took me in a different direction. And so I, after the third son was born, I was just going to take a break and, you know, just give myself some time to, you know, just be with the kids for a, for a bit, um, which was great and, and, and needed that, and that happened. But I also found that I think I missed that creative outlet in a way. And I just kind of had the idea for something that I and just sort of, you know, when the baby was napping would, you know, just kind of start writing a little bit just for pro f- belief that anybody would ever f- – and it just sort of spiraled from there.
3: Do you come up with the the characters first or the story first and then cast the characters?
7: Um, I'm a bit of both, I guess. And and because of the photography background, I think I'm – I'm, I'm sure it's because of photography, but I'm very visual. Like, I have to see the scene in my head before I start writing it. And usually, a story for me starts kind of with an opening scene. And it, it just, I let it kind of bounce around in, in my head for a bit. I, you know, it gets, the colors get a little sharper until I, it's a fully formed, like something I can see. And I may not always know where I would go with it, but it's, it's definitely at the beginning and out of all of my books, the opening scene is, is usually the one thing that is, it is the one thing that has never changed or altered. Like it, the opening scene that I began with is the opening scene in every book. Now, lots of other things change during edits, but, that starting point is 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 the same, and and I build from there, and I treat it like if I can keep going, like well, okay, well now this has happened. Well, what if this happens? And if I can keep going, then there's a story there. Um, but there's a lot of things that have started that have not gotten very far. That's not always <laughs> the
3: case. I'm sure we can all appreciate that. Um, <laughs> but when you're um, when you're writing, how, how do you experience that? Are you very organized. Do you plot things out and, <laughs> and outline things, or right. or do the stories feel like they're writing themselves?
10: I,
7: I let it unfold, and I don't worry about. I mean, I you know I, this is kind of the best way I think about it. It's almost like if you're if you're you know at the store and driving home at night and it's in the dark, and and you know where you're kind of going, but you can't really see anything because it's dark outside. You can really only see what's you know what your headlights show right just the yeah. 20 feet ahead of and that's sort of how i write like i just i'm looking at that immediate like 20 feet ahead of me and as long and then when i get to that point if i can still see another 20 feet you know i keep going and then i i almost write almost to the halfway point before i then like say okay let me maybe plot this out on paper you know do I have a structure here and there is always some juggling at that point and then some some moving around but I don't try to come up with a very uh tight plot until I've almost written half of it which is kind of a maybe a dumb way to do it but it's the only way I
3: can I would think you run the risk of of writing yourself into a corner sometimes
7: what well, you do and you see so you just come kind of throw that car in the car where it kind of made sense and then go in a different direction and i've done that before too
3: <laughs> turn around and, and go they back don't always,
7: work out. They don't always work out i have lots of uh, documents that show that this is not the perfect process <laughs>
3: <laughs> but but of course I, I think most writers would say whatever works for you
7: I'm for sure, because I mean I can tell my process to somebody who's very organized and very plot driven, like you know they know what they're going to write before they write it and are horrified and then i and then there are people that are actually worse than me you know that get to the end and feel like I don't even know if this is a book i mean like there's there's so I tell everybody like what you know what do I need to do to become a writer? Well first read, and then know that there's no perfect way to become a writer. you just have to start writing
3: is this a, a strange time to be releasing a book because of the pandemic?
7: I think I'm kind of lucky because, you know, we're definitely in a brighter spot than we've been in the last, what, 14 or 15 months. Right. I really, really feel bad for the authors in in the very beginning when it was the total shutdown and everything was so unknown and you you know nobody was going to the store, and I, I think that was definitely worse. I mean, you know, I was – I'm able to, you know – People are going into the bookstores, and I'm you know hopefully buying the book and I you know everybody's a little bit more optimistic and probably in a, a little bit of a spending mood, so um you know while I'm, like I think you know, I definitely am in the better the better space than than many other authors have been in the last
3: year. did you um have to hold off release or or did it just work out to be timed that way?
7: We, it worked out. This was our, this was our date from the beginning. And, and I, you know, we had planned this book, I'd sold this book to my publisher. And like I said, right before the pandemic, so this was always our, our timetable. So I just, I, you know, it's pre- pretty fortunate.
3: Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah, it sounds like the, the timing came together. How was um, the pandemic for the writing process? Or do you, have you always written at home?
7: Yeah, that was a little hard for me because I do like to write in coffee shops or restaurants or you know public public places.
3: I've heard um, I've heard writers write, write, say that. I don't write coffee, but go ahead, I'm sorry. I've I've heard writers say that, and for a lot of people, that seems like it would be really tough to do to be out in in around people when you're writing you know most a lot of us think of writers as going off to a cabin somewhere and emerging six months <laughs> later with a book um and it's hard to imagine sitting in a in a um a busy coffee shop you know creating that way
7: well part of it is not at home i Think okay, well, let me just do a load of laundry real quick, or let me <laughs> clean these yeah. breakfast dishes up, and you know. And then you're like, oh, great! It's three o'clock. Let me go pick my kid up from school. I've lost my whole day. So part of it is just removing myself from the house, so that you know. And I, and if I sit down like at a coffee shop, then you know, I, I block two hours to be there, and maybe I want to get two thousand words written. Well, then that's like okay you know, let's go, let's do this, and it's a mindset, and sometimes, you know, there's a lot of energy in places like that, and it's kind of, you know, maybe feet, you know, my house is quiet when my kids are at school, my husband's out on a job, and, you know, sometimes that hustle and bustle, that that brings its own energy, uh, that sort of kind of helps, and then I have not, I have, you know, I've sat in a place and one next and looked up and go, okay, well, they're going to this place where I'm, you know, I mean, and I've sort of incorporate where I am a little bit when I feel like I need a little bit of help and um, lots of different reasons I like to sort of get out and about when I write.
3: Well, for a lot of writers, writing is a very, uh, very solitary thing, but yet it's important to, you know, get out and promote what you do. Do you enjoy mm-hmm. the, the interaction with people and, um, you know, doing book signings and readings and those kinds of things
7: i i really do i'm probably more of an extrovert which is probably not typical for most writers i really i do enjoy i love school visits i've been very lucky that schools you know brought me in and i'll do sort of you know my presentation and questions and answers talk to the kids after and that those are probably my favorite favorite events of the school visits i love talking To the kids, seeing those faces, and then that kid that comes up, you know, like we talked about earlier, like, I didn't, you know, my teacher made me read it, but I liked it, and I'm shocked, and, you know, (laughs) like, I love those conversations. (laughs) Like, yay, you know, so I do, I I really enjoy it. I do enjoy it. Did you
3: set out to write for young adult audiences um, right from the get-go?
7: I did not, and at that time, this was, you know, back in, like, 2011. And I mean, there's always been that category, but, like, you know, it sort of exploded, you know, around that time. But I didn't really think, well, here, let me go right in this ca- this category that seems to be on fire right now. I just had this idea, and, and my protagonist was, you know, 17 years old, and that is the story that I wrote. But, I, you know, I found that I'm very comfortable in that space, and I don't know why, but
3: I I, I enjoy it. What about deadlines writing the way you do you know in in fits and starts um are is meeting deadlines a hassle how long does it take uh to put a book out
7: Um deadlines are a necessary evil for me because I can, I will drag something out for years probably <laughs> if I, if I could. And so the deadline, you know, it really sort of forces my hand. And, you know, as much as I kind of like, oh, the deadline, I, it makes me get, get to work. Um I, and again, this is a different process for everybody, but I'm about two years from idea to on the shelf. And if, if I, you know, and luckily I've been with the same publisher, Uh, for all of my books. And so at this point, you know, I can kind of give them an idea and a a sample. And if that's something that they want, you know, we go, I don't have to write the whole book before they decide they want it. That's basically what I'm saying. And so, you know, I give them 10,000 words and, you know, an idea and they're like, yes, this is it. And then I usually have three or four months to write the whole first draft, which is, which is about right. And, And, but that's, you know, kind of making me like get busy, which is good. And then, you know, you back and forth and back and forth with edits. Um, and you know, and then the book's finished. You know, good. You know, eight months before it hits the shelves, because then you go into marketing and all the cover and all the fun, fun stuff. So, are, hey, I don't. It's not like that for everybody. That has been typical for me. Are,
3: are you able to um, work on more than one project at the same time?
7: Um. Yes, but not, like, in, on a deadline sort of way. So, like, if I'm writing, you know, like 10 Truths and a Dare and I have sent it off to my editor and I know that she's going to take a couple of weeks, you know, to get back to me on my edits, I can switch and write something else, but it's usually like a little for fun side kind of project that nobody knows about or is expecting okay. um, and are just random and that kind of works for me. I don't know that I could do it. I've not had to ever do it, and I don't know that I could. I don't, Maybe I could do two, like, really, like, under-contract projects. I don't, I've never had to balance that. But I do kind of write for fun. The project turns into the next book. Um, sometimes it doesn't.
3: Well, it looks like we uh, lost the connection. It, it's been a little challenging uh, all along with uh, Ashley Elston, but the name of the book is Ten Truths. Anna Dare, and, um, she has, uh, let's see, um, uh, she's available on Twitter at, uh, Ashley underscore Elston, and Instagram at Ashley Elston, and, um, we're going to have more of the Tom Sumner program straight ahead.
5: The Tom Sumner Program.com The Tom Sumner Program From the Tom Sumner Show.
4: And getting back to the lives we love. Discover the facts for yourself at Michigan.gov slash COVIDvaccine. A message from the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services.
3: Start your weekend early with.
9: this is Sweet Willie T. Hey, this is Steve from the Nashville office.
8: I'm Gwen Pennyman Hemphill. do not Start
3: your weekend right. Go to 11, Fridays, on the Tom Sumner Program.
4: Those hands, no matter whose they are, can spread the germs of many common diseases. That's why I want you to realize how important it is to keep hands clean. To wash them regularly and always before meals with Lifebuoy, which not only removes dirt, but helps to remove germs. Teach the children this habit. Form it yourself.
3: Hey, welcome back, everybody. This is the Tom Sumner Program. My guests this hour are the co-authors of a book called Legacy Speaks. They are Stephanie Heath and Amanda Rumor, and they both join me by phone. Stephanie, Amanda, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you. Thank you so much for having us.
3: Now, Stephanie was on the show just recently talking about... uh, Oh, different job coaching-related things. We talked a lot about LinkedIn, um, but let's um, let me let me ask this, uh, and and I'll start with Amanda because I don't think Amanda's been on the show before. How did the two of you get together to co-author a book?
1: Well, we worked together, and oh. Stephanie came across this pretty incredible opportunity um, there's several co-authors it's not just her and I and it's on the book is based upon women leaving legacies and how they are using their past experiences to do so and so she talked to me about it and so we we're, we ended up doing it together
3: well cool uh, Stephanie what how did this idea uh, come to you and you and how did you go about selecting which great women you would include?
10: Yeah, so um, as Amanda shared, it's it was a book. It's a book co-authored by several different women. It's about <clears throat> maybe twenty of us female entrepreneurs. And um, the person that brought it to me is a. Um, Uh, She's a therapist with a brick-and-mortar practice, and she also does shadow work. She's an online um, service provider, and I trust her wholeheartedly. I've I've worked through just some past experiences just, you know, with my family with her, and um, she invited me to join and be a co-author with her, and I invited Amanda because Amanda's amazing. So I didn't necessarily come up with the idea, um, but we're just in it together with 23 others authors
3: so there are 23 authors in all that makes it sound to me like it's a collection of essays not so much about the the women but what they have to say is that right
10: exactly yeah we're all like amanda shared we're sharing our legacies but we're also kind of sharing our medicine or just you know teaching on our um our topics so for me it would be about salary and just you know being a recovering people pleaser and be able to get the salary that you'd like and then for Amanda she can share hers and you know all the girls are just coming together and and sharing our medicine in the book.
3: Now when when you say medicine what do you mean by that?
10: Yeah (laughs) Um, so I guess it's just I guess it's a spiritual term that I've adopted but um It's just our profession, I guess, or what we bring to the to the world. So for me, I'm going to teach you everything you need to do to get that six figure offer. Um, that would be my medicine, and then Amanda could share what hers would be.
1: Yeah, so mine is very different. I um, am recovering i had I fell about forty feet off an energy vortex in Sedona. And so I walked away, I I didn't walk away, I had traumatic brain injury, I couldn't walk, cracked vertebrae, broken bones, lost memory, and my recovery was pretty incredible. And so my story is really how to incorporate God and energy, God and the universe together as one. Because so often, um, at least for myself, growing up Catholic, we learned that that was not the right way to live. Um, you, You only accept God, so my story is about sharing both
3: amanda i i have to ask uh, what is an energy vortex and what were you (laughs) doing up there to begin with
1: so sedona (laughs) is known for these amazing uh, red the red rocks and they have energy vortexes which are very famous spots where you're supposed to be able to literally touch like third dimensional energy. Sounds crazy, but I've always believed in it. And I was actually with my husband and my four year old daughter. This so was about two and a half years ago. And it was an energy vortex that we've done, you know, I've hiked before. So it was not a new hike. Um, and I just loved, I thought it was, a, it's beautiful. I thought the energy there is incredible. Um, so I hiked up and then I lost my footing coming down. And it, I mean, it's it's very <laughs> it's very traumatic. I don't have memories of about two weeks. My head hit forty feet of red rocks. Really? I was air backed to a hospital. I, I mean, the science shows I shouldn't be alive. It, it's really incredible.
3: And as much as I want to spend more time talking about the energy <laughs> vortex, I, I really want to give uh, Stephanie a chance, um, and and Amanda, you can weigh in on this as well. You said there are 23 contributors to this book altogether?
10: Yeah, I want to say it's even 25. I could be misquoting that number, but all of these women have incredible stories, um, and they're all sharing, like we mentioned before, just. You know
3: what we do in the world. So, for any, yeah. What What are some? Uh, can you give a, a few examples of of some of the stories that are told? Um, maybe, maybe some that are. Well, mm-hmm. it, it might be hard to find one as dramatic as falling forty foot off <laughs> a, an energy <laughs> vortex, but, um, but, but what are some of the stories that these women are sharing?
10: Yeah, you know, oh, go, ahead. I, go ahead, Amanda.
1: I, I'm sorry. You know, the, the main theme of this was how we're leading a legacy um, and lives worth remembering. So every woman uses their special talents, whether it be um, yoga, breathing. I mean, they do all of these incredible, very modern-type arts and just how they're incorporating it to make their lives Better and share it with the world. And Stephanie, you go ahead. I
10: didn't mean to interrupt you. No, 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 that's okay. Um, so, yeah, like she said, um, they're Reiki healers. So most of the women that are authors in this book are more on the the woo, the new age, I guess you could say the spiritual side. So like Amanda said, um, breath work practitioners, Reiki um, practitioners, obviously there's some, there's some yoga teachers in there, um, but all of them have thriving about six-figure businesses, they're mostly online entrepreneurs, and so every day they're out helping women and men just get through whatever they're getting through with their "quote unquote" medicine. And so their stories are, are interesting, and then you're also walking away with um, something in the book, and you have 23 or 25 opportunities to get that something.
3: And how do these how do these stories um, warrant the the title? Legacy. I mean, it sounds like these are things that people are doing that might be a little inspirational. But in what way are they leaving legacies? And and um, I, I, yeah. I'm not sure if I'm phrasing the question exactly right. But but how how are they legacies? We'll leave it at that.
10: Yeah. So. I'll um, I'll grab this one first, Amanda. But we want you after reading the book to ask yourself, what will you leave behind? Um, what type of impact will you make on the on the planet? And you know, asking yourself who who you are. So for us, we kind of you know shared our soul. You want to they may be emotionally vomited all over this book and then <laughs> also addi- additionally, you know, just taught something. Um, but after reading it, those are the questions that we want you to be asking yourself. So what will my legacy be and how can I, you know, take inspiration from their stories and bring it into the world? So, Amanda, would you add on to that or how, how did you kind of see it? Speaking to No, legacy?
1: I think you said it beautifully, Stephanie. And when you think about it historically, Legacy was defined as, like, monetary sums You will leave your children. And although that's still so important, I think in 2021 we can do something so much better. And it's about our, our time, our energy, where, what we are doing to impact the world. It's, not any, it's no longer a financial obligation. So we're just taking legacy for all it's worth. And just sharing it to our best abilities, and inspiring people to think about, like Stephanie said, leaving their own legacy.
3: More with Legacy Speaks co-authors Stephanie Heath and Amanda Rumore.
2: This isolated life ain't all that bad Am I just lazy? Maybe
5: don't you know? Go on! Go on! Get out of here!